Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. We've got some pretty cool guests on today, uh, the guys from the Test Lab. So we've got Craig and Pat here. Um, been looking forward to this episode for a little while, been trying to get you in uh, over the last little while. But do you want to just give a quick rundown of what you do with the Test Lab, the type of things that um, you get to do day to day, or the toys you get to play with day to day, basically as a part of that. Um, and then maybe a quick rundown of both your sort of backgrounds to how you got into, I guess, triathlon, endurance sport, but how Test Lab came together. Yeah, no worries. I think uh, initially we started um, knowing some of the editors at um, Australian Triathlete who needed some products tested. So uh, we were able to get our hands on a few different bits and pieces and um, Pat and I started to put together a few articles in order to uh, sort of facilitate this and um, we found that we loved it. So we sort of went out the, outside the scope of just using um, Australian Triathlete and um, developed a little bit of a social media. Uh, side of things, so particularly uh, Instagram's been fantastic, and um, you know we're looking at Facebook uh, coming up now as well. But uh, it's kind of just progressed from there, and I think due to you know, Pat's amazing ability to take fantastic photos and put some really nice um, sort of words behind it, and I guess my ability to um, sort of ride a bike in a straight line has <laughs> um, you know sort of helped us out from that point of view. Um, but we've always had this obsession with trying to make things easier, better, um, and not you know, necessarily just staying with a standard norm. Yeah. And you know, we've, I think we pretty much customise everything we buy or, or get just mm. to make it either fit us better or work a little bit better for us. Yeah. Um, but my background is I had a um, sports science background and then uh, did osteo for a bit and that allowed me to um, sort of race as a professional triathlete and duathlete for 15, 16, 17 years or so. Um, and yeah, so I got to try out a, a whole bunch of uh, different things that either worked for me or um, you know, that I could you know, try and sort of improve my performance on. Uh, and I met Pat um, through his wife who um, is also a professional triathlete and duathlete and sort of we got along like a house on fire because we've got that same sort of passion uh, and yeah it sort of just took off from there. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah so we've been tinkering things with I don't know since the early 2000s yeah when they when Craig and Adele yeah. first started racing together um, so yeah it's just gone on from there and from that that point on as well I, I was working as a uh, massage therapist and working with uh, VIS and AIS squads overseas, a lot of pro athletes, so around a lot of pro coaches, a lot of pro athletes, seeing them customise and, you know, fiddle with things all the time and, yep. yeah, it's just progressed from there. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Do you want to just quickly touch on what you do with NRJ as well? Yeah, so it, it, Energy Lab's just a, it's just a small coaching group, so, um, you know, I, I coach really about a dozen athletes yep. um, and it's it's strange enough from all levels from you know real beginners first timers like we've got a one guy doing his first ever half Ironman uh, next weekend through to yeah pro, pro athletes like yep. um, well my wife I've had Ryan Cross um, and now Grace Thick as well or Tech sorry yeah. <laughs> she'll kill me for saying that yep. wrong <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's yeah. yeah, so you've got that good balance of sort of hit all areas of, I guess, triathlon in particular, of yeah. racing, coaching, 
uh, the sports science side of things as well, massage and uh, support and assistance. So you, you guys have a pretty good idea of what, you, what you're talking about when it comes to the type yeah. of gadgets and toys that you then we see in the industry. Um, how do you go about, I guess, assessing different items or different things that pop up and finding them in the first place? <laughs> I mean, we, we do probably spend far too much time um, on the internet looking at uh, you know different websites. I think Slow Twitch was probably what got me into looking at a lot of different products. The US guys tend to be obsessed with uh, you know, new products or you know, different ways to do things. Um, I think uh, the, other, the other sort of group of people that are really interesting, uh, particularly sort of more so now, is the UK TT yeah, guys who've exactly. just got a lot more, I guess, ways that they want to innovate and you know, we're seeing a lot more products coming out through them, through um, sort of AeroCoach and you know, Drag to Zero, who uh, are doing amazing things and at Revolver as well. Yeah, Revolver, yeah. Um, who are doing amazing things at um, sort of getting those contact points. Um, I guess uh, sort of more locked in and you know getting more aero comfortable positions uh, for guys mm. who are. And what's great about the UK scene as well is because they're not constrained by UCI yeah. rules, so a lot of the things that they come up with are easily transferable to triathlon because mm. yeah, it's much more applicable. Yep. So, um, and they've got such a, so much broader market to work with. They can innovate and come up with all these great products and we can just um, sort of piggyback off them and you know, promote, promote them as, and, and get some products to test as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when, you get, mm. when you get stuff to test, what's your, what's your process at, I guess, identifying things that might be worthwhile using or recommending to others or identifying that this this race suit this set of wheels whatever it may be is probably not the way to go if you if you're wanting to look for a bit of a performance improvement or actual usability how are you how you would I guess testing those out what do you what do you go through I think initially with, with anything that we look at we try and find either some research or some data that supports the manufacturers claims uh, and I guess it takes a little bit of work to to try and figure out, you know, whether something is actually going to be a benefit or whether it's just marketing hype. Yeah. Um, so we try and do as much uh, sort of work behind the scenes to, to pre-evaluate stuff. Um, and then in the testing process, we do use power meters. We do um, sort of have some sort of objective testing tools. Yeah. But the the difficult thing is um, a lot of it comes down to just feel and does it actually feel like we're going better? Does it, uh, you know, feel more comfortable? And I think, you know, we've gone from trying to look at, you know, specifics in terms of is this actually faster yeah. and without a wind tunnel or without um, some, you know, more, I guess, scientific, you know, ways of evaluating products, uh, we've actually worked out that if you're more comfortable on a bike or if you're more comfortable running or comfortable swimming, that generally tends to help with you going quicker anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, from a subjective, oh, we're, we're probably a little bit more subjective than objective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, what works for some per, some people won't necessarily work for others. And we always say that, you know, this is sort of our opinion and this works for us and these are the reasons why. Um, would you add anything to that? Yeah, well, a couple of good examples of the testing like um, what we did recently with Nadelle, she was testing a swim skin. Yep. Because uh, she just did a race in Vietnam and uh, obviously hasn't used a swim skin before. So she did um, swims, so she, did, she just did 
um, three 100s in each, so she did it in a normal swimsuit, sleeved tri suit, um, a normal tri suit, and then she did it with the swim skin on as well. So yep. um, it was noticeably quicker. Every time she had the swim skin on, it was quicker. Um, what we wanted to test there was also not just the swim skin, which turned out, I think it was about three seconds per hundred, or two to three seconds per hundred quicker each time. Um, we also wanted to see if it made a difference if she wore a sleeve tri suit rolled down or with the sleeves out. And yeah. in this particular case, it didn't make any any difference. But there, you know, so there's a little bit more than just yeah. Are you also looking at sort of I guess how beneficial something is versus I'm assuming a lot of your audience is probably amateur age group triathletes who are looking for yeah. these different bits and pieces that they see a pro use and they're like, oh, I hope that can work for me as well. Are you looking at that sort of cost effectiveness side of it as well and how viable it is for Absolutely your right. too? When, when we did the um, time trial helmet yeah. test, and that was you know, power versus speed, um, and it was a noticeable difference in what, um, how many did we do, do that time? About four, four About different four. helmets. Oh, yeah. But we, we had a standard, using the standard helmet, yeah. and then each time trial helmet as we went up. And you know, bang for buck, that is going to be your best purchase you can make. Yeah. But again, it's all about getting out and finding out which one actually yeah, fits you best. Because it's yeah. it's fine for us to say, you know, this in, in that particular case, it was the cask Mistral was significantly faster. Like it was at least a k and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. Faster than a standard helmet, but it was you know fast faster than the Pock and the specialized specialized. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so it was a pretty easy test to do, to do on the velodrome. Um, same wind conditions, same position, same person. Every all the gear yeah. was the same. The only thing changed was the helmet. Yeah. So so that's why I mean we you know we do as much sort of objective stuff as possible within reach, but it comes down to you know what will work on me might be different to what works for Pat, and again mm -hmm. what works for you. Yeah. So I think you know the the position um, you know can have a, a bit of a um, bit, bit more variety in the results as well, yeah. but. Uh, you know, we've done a whole bunch of wetsuit testing as well, and I think you know we based a lot of that on what people have done in the past. I know Dan Enfield from Slow Twitch has got a protocol that sort of we've sort of taken and adapted to see what works for us. Yeah. So you're not only doing uh, a test on one day and then following it up with another suit, but you're mixing matching suits depending on you know the order that they're going in. And um, I think from those sort of tests, we can get more realistic. Uh, sort of examples of what works best, what suits are quicker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we we're heading down a path where we're trying to get a little bit more objective. We've got um, an Aeropod to use on our TT bike that we're starting to uh, get into some of our testing at the yeah. moment to give us a bit better idea of you know how different positions, different helmets, different yeah. um, suits affect you know our, our drag and so forth. So we're starting to build a little bit more of a, uh, a platform of what we know works and what doesn't. Yeah, yeah, cool. And things like when we're talking about the suits is, I mean there's so many different areas yeah. you can go, yeah, whether it's faster on the bike, but also it's there's all the levels of comfort, comfort what the features of them, you know, how, how actually are, useful yeah. are they? You know, you can have something that's really are fantastic aerodynamically, but if it doesn't breathe, then you're going to cook. Mm. Or if, or if you can't even reach the pocket, you know, then where's the usefulness of it later on down the track when you're on the run and yep. things like that. So you, it's all balancing that and just testing those products out, testing the materials, testing the designs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah good one. I guess individually, what's the 
best thing you've tested so far? If you can, if you can put it down, or maybe a couple of things that you've gone. This is, this is, outstanding comparative to a bunch of other things in that that category, whether it may be a wetsuit, a swim skin, etc. You just like, without you don't necessarily have to name name names of brands, but was there any one particular thing that stands out? I think uh, initially when we start doing a lot of this testing, um, one of the wetsuit tests that we did, I think it really stood out not only with um, the type of wetsuit it was, um, but we realised how much fit makes a massive difference. Yeah. And we had um, suits from all over. We tested about eight top-end suits. You know, these were $750 plus suits uh, against each other with the same protocol over and over and over. And the test took five to six weeks. Mm. It, it just went on and on. But we wanted to make sure it was as robust as possible. And one suit was always better by three seconds per hundred. Um, which is an outstanding, like it's a huge margin, and this is over, you know, twelve hundred dollar suits, uh, and this was mm. a seven hundred and fifty eight hundred dollar suit at the time. Uh, so that made us think, all right, this is, you know, really valuable information to understand that not only the products that you use, but the fit is probably one of the most important things, and I think that resonated with a lot of the stuff that we've done, whether it's clothing. Um, you know, I've had some suits that we've tried out that have felt alright, um, but when you get a really comfortable one that's got you know great qualities, then you are noticeably faster. And I think the helmet thing that Pat talked about before yeah. was sort of outstanding as well. There's, they're, they're really tangible things that you can say, uh, this is definitely faster for me, and it gives you, you know, a great opportunity to um, maximise your you know, benefits when you're racing. Yeah. Um, what about you? I was going to say, this isn't necessarily a product that was vastly superior to everyone else, but it was a product that really surprised us. Um, so we had a, a bike to test, um, one of the, what was the Ventum. And um, sort of, it was really fun to test because we thought, it's going to be not as good as, mm. you know, we, yeah. it just didn't make a lot of sense that it was going to be this great bike. But And, and it did ride really differently to other bikes, but it, it just surprised us. It was so, uh, it was fast and it was, you know, it was just wasn't what we were expecting. It was so much more than we expected. Yeah. So that was a bit of, that was the one that I reckon has surprised me the most. That yeah. It was a really, really good bike and yeah, actually did a lot more than we expected. Yeah, good one. I think we've had a couple of those as well. I know that oh, we yeah, did uh, actually, Cannondale. Um, yeah. Jump riding now as a result of, I think that review, yeah, Dad yeah. got one and then I'm yeah. on a slice now. So. That, the Slice was yeah. one of those bikes that we got on and we thought, it doesn't really look like an aero bike, doesn't look like a tri-bike, yeah, yeah. we'll give it a go. I think it's the, still to this day one of the most comfortable bikes I've ever mm. ridden. And I think, as we said in the article, it's probably the most adaptive bike to any race you can do. Um, Especially on, because like, we tested it on that, the lap of the leg. Yeah. And it's still, well, I mean... Oh. I can't ride fast anymore after my accident anyway, but um, it's still the fastest bike I've ridden around the lake just because it just handled so beautifully through the corners like a road bike and then just whipped out of the corners. It had that real um, that feeling through the, those fiberglass um, sections of just whipping it out of the corners, giving it a bit of extra speed. It was, yeah, that was a very, very unusual result, that bike. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing as well. I don't think Cannondale have probably pushed on as much with yeah, they're, they're tri-bikes and they probably don't market as well in Australia, but um, I think they've had
Fantastic. So good to know I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah, got the right vibe. Yeah, that's all right. Um, is there anything that's sort of I guess we talked a lot about things that are related to to drag or performance directly? Are there any accessories to the stuff like bike computers, like anything that's not directly involved in someone going faster, but is still going to help the average person? Are any of those types of devices or things that you've tested that you've gone this stands out? I think at the moment, you know, the more data you have isn't necessarily better. I think the right data is yeah. mm. um, what we found is useful. And uh, I mean, from our points of view, we're not super techie. Um, you know, we won't, you know, go to the nth degree to test something out. We won't use most of the um, sort of supposed benefits on our watches or yeah. bike computers or whatever. So we found something is relatively simple is the Wahoo Bolt, you know, one of the best computers that we can use because it gives all the information that we need without going that sort of to the excessive point. Uh, so, and it's just simple data, you can customise it to sort of however you need and I've found that fantastic. Um, as well as uh, one of my Garmin's, the Fenix 5X, which is a fantastic watch and um, mainly for my swimming but it it just makes your sessions a lot easier and I think you're a lot more, um, it just gives you a better idea of, of where you're at and I think if you can take the data that you need and apply it to your training to make it more effective, more efficient, then then that's the best thing. Yeah, for me, it was probably the kicker climb. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't make you faster, it doesn't make you better in any way, yeah. except it enhances that indoor training mm. um, experience. Yeah, experience, I think, rather and, than, yeah. And it, it's amazing because the, the big thing about training indoors is you, you're stuck on the saddle in the same position. You get yeah. heavy on that saddle. You start to get sore and everything. But that the climb makes you move around on the saddle and change your, your weight distribution. Yeah. And you can just ride for so much longer with it. It's, it was amazing. Yeah. So it's a big, clunky, ugly-looking thing. But gee, it, uh, it made a difference. It made a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, and I think there, there's some interesting things coming out. I think Saris are starting to launch, um, which is a Cyclops brand, starting to launch a platform, you know, to put your trainer on, and it's adaptable to sort of most of the trainers out there, and that will give you that feeling of uh, being on the road. Yep. You know, it gives you that sort of rocking effect and you know, moving forward and back, and it's a similar thing that sort of Pat describes. You're not in that stationary position and. Yep. I think anything to create a probably a safer environment, but to still give you that sort of real world feel, is probably where a lot of the training's going at the moment. And you know, we've seen some of the you know people's pain caves and what they've done with their Zwift and projectors on the wall, and you know, it's it's really taking off. And I think you know, given that our you know cycling these days is a bit more treacherous than it yep. used to be twenty years ago, mm. um, all these a little bit help. Yeah, it does, and you know, if you can, if you can get your training in, you can get a really effective session in when it's raining or you know, terrible weather outside. It's um, it's a bonus. Yeah. All right. So I guess if you just want to take us through maybe some trends in the in the industry that you're seeing at the moment with with different pieces of technology, we sort of we spoke about before. I know that there's a camera cut out, but um, we spoke about some of the some of the different aero bar positions having different aero bars that are covering sort of like more of the elbow, more of the forearm. 
um, and some of those moving ones that we've seen a couple of pros where they're, they're up here and then they sort of retract them back into their, their base bar. So do you want to touch on a few of the things that you think companies are looking for or, or aiming to innovate in in the next or the foreseeable future anyway? Yeah, well, with the, the moulded bars especially, yeah. I think there's going to be a yeah, much bigger growth in those. More companies are going to come out with products. I saw uh, Drag to Zero, I've got one coming out soon, which will actually attach directly into your... Um, your extension yep. mounts at the moment, so you know you can pop them on, you know your P5 or whatever, um, and then all these other companies, the molded ones, you have to have a bracket, I think, to, to be able to use them on your on your bikes. But they does definitely become more and more popular, and prices will come down, and I think yeah, you'll see more and more people using them. And then the Morph Tech ones, which are the the change, I mean, they're really interesting, but um, probably haven't haven't grabbed people's attention as, as much. Yep. They're certainly very aero. They've done plenty of testing to show just how much aero they are by taking out that base that bar. Base bar yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you'll probably see a little bit more innovation in that space. I think, you know, for the, uh, the Morph Tech design is, I think, growing and growing. Um, I think, unfortunately, the yeah. owner of Morph Tech um, passed away sort of fairly recently. So I'm not sure sort of what's going to happen sort of with the business itself, but you know Anthony Costas um, has you know, got some amazing bike splits off the back of those, or with help from those, as is Alan as Holder, I think, who yeah. has won Norseman three times. Yeah. Um, so you know they're always looking at interesting ways mm. to, to make things um, you know a little bit a little bit quicker. Um, but the to touch on that sort of point about the the bars, you know I think. You know, for the speed bar one, which we're seeing sort of on some of the pro tour bikes and some of the elite athletes, uh, triathletes now, you know, they're about three thousand dollars a pop, so it's yeah. really expensive. Yeah. For I'm not sure sort of how much gain it's um, it's going to come down quick. I think as more companies yeah. sort of get yeah. into that. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot more innovation around some of the one by stuff these days. You know, we're seeing a lot more you know one by bikes that are being Sort of built trams. Obviously, got a fantastic system set up for that now. Um, but there's also cheaper options. I was looking at uh, something sort of fairly recently, which is a basically an add-on which you can pop on your rear um, chainstay, um, which actuates your rear derailleur to change gears for you. And there's a little um, uh, sort of buttons on your. You can put them on your handlebars, or you can put them on your extensions um, to change gears. They're originally made for mountain bikes, but I think at about 500 Australian, it's a pretty cheap way to get a DR2 system. Yeah, right. And they're adaptable to pretty much any bike. As long as you've got a rear chain state that can take it, you know, you can use it. So uh, I don't think the buttons are as efficient as yep. you know, your standard DR2 setups. But um, as I understand it, the company is looking at making some TT specific setups as well. Yep. So, you know, I think. Uh, with the amount of innovation that we're seeing um, from smaller companies and a lot of those Kickstarter programs, there's just going to be more and more and more stuff. And you know, the stuff that you know makes enough money is the stuff that we're going yep. to see. So, and it's, I mean, as far as bikes, obviously there's not as big a gain. Everyone wants a really cool bike, but there's yep. not as big a gain to be made. But what's good is that so many of the bigger company now are looking at, oh, we're not just making a time trial bike. With a few add-ons for a triathlete, yeah. they're actually looking at specific triathlon bikes. I know yeah. Specialises has been doing it, and this is their second mm. sort of iteration of a, a, a tri-specific bike. But you know, um, 
you know, if the rumours are correct, Scott's coming out with one. Um, and there's, there's loads of other companies that are sort of going down yeah. that path of looking at triathlon specific. Yeah, no bikes. longer just the, just like your Diamondbacks and well, it, it, making crazy yeah, bikes for triathlon yeah. that kind of just look a bit different. It's It sort of makes sense because yeah. the triathletes are the biggest market for a time trial bike anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, why not? But then the, the big gains are going to be in, in suit materials, um, the positions and the, the moulded um, 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 armrests arm yeah. and things, yeah. 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 Um, what else? Is it much in the? I think you've said oh, shoes as well. Yeah. Sorry, the shoes, running shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you, Well, Nike's obviously started it off, but then New Balance have got their version. Hoka's yep. got their version. Um, Adidas have got their version. Uh, Asics has started releasing their own version. So I mean, there's a big, big market there and a big room for improvement there as well. Yeah. And in the in sort of the custom spaces where I was about to touch on before, just things like three D printed specific to. Yeah. athletes or specific to bike frames we've like seen a few um like toolbox things that you can clip on the back yeah, that are yeah. going to fit just a p5 or they're just going to fit a candidate or whatever it is yeah. do you think that's going to be a growing sort of space for that highly customized to the individual product it, it does seem to be yeah there's um there's great little uh what is it speed metrics i think it is and custom bike accessories they're two companies that are doing some really cool um, very specific stuff like the the little um, aerodynamic toolboxes yep. to fit in in the bottom um, triangle and um, even just um, there's some 3D printed computer mounts just to centre yep. your computer properly and yeah in your handlebars things like that really basic things that you think oh yeah should have had them long Makes ago sense, yeah. but yeah and um, certainly the toolboxes especially for um, or the speed boxes to go on the back things like um, Cannondale and giant that don't have really space for storage and yeah, yeah they're available now on the market from you know third party providers yeah. it's pretty cool yeah good one yeah. they're not cheap though yeah <laughs> they do do go a couple of hundred bucks so you say is, you say that's where the industry's probably still got a bit to like it, it's only going to become <sighs> more available more accessible some of this stuff that we're seeing it, pop out now, give it a couple of years, at like almost like anything, it's it, eventually going to come down to be... What do, what do you think? I, I think it could go two ways, mm. because the main companies are really looking at doing triathlon-specific bikes, more and more of that inbuilt storage is going to be there yep. already. So, um, yeah, maybe for the lower-spec bikes, those sort of accessories will be um, popular, but yeah, your higher-spec bikes that are really specific uh, probably won't need it. Yep. Yeah. Mm. We're probably looking at, you know, in the not too distant future, a lot of 3D, 3D printing for um, chain rings or for uh, you know, cranks and different bike parts as well. I don't yeah. think they're at a point yet where they're necessarily strong enough. I know that there's work in progress to test a, a lot of 3D printed stuff um, to make it specific for certain athletes. So uh, I think as the 3D technology uh, sort of evolves, we'll see more and more of that, but we're probably a few more years away yeah. at this was, stage. Actually, there was an article, I can't remember where I read it, about a, a company just in Melbourne that was, well, I don't know whether they were experimenting or how far down the track they were on 3D printing bike frames. Okay. So yeah, right. That was pretty interesting. interesting. So I, I can't remember the actual material they were mm. using, but it might have been through slow twitch, maybe that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Probably the last thing before we wrap things up, is there anything that you want to see come out in the, the next little while? Is there some, some th 
product or um, bit of gear that you picture in your head going, either I'd really like to use that or I reckon that would make a bit of a difference, but no one's, no one's done it yet. I tell you, I mean, I don't know how feasible it is um, sort of in the next little bit, but uh, I think having sort of more of the data available to you either on the run or on the bike without actually having to look at your screen, so having like heads-up displays, which we're starting to see a little bit of, yeah. um, I think, you know, that'd be fantastic to be able to uh, sort of adapt into a, a sunglass that's not huge, that doesn't sort of, you know, weigh you down either on the bike or, or on the run. Um, you know, that'd be interesting to see that evolve more. And I think the, the technology is sort of heading that way. Um, and I think, you know, getting some consensus as well on some of the different products, you know, wheels, bikes, whatever, that are actually going to be more efficient for the real world. Um, Pat and I sort of touched on an interesting podcast from one of the uh, aerodynamic experts in the UK, Hambini, who um, questioned whether a lot of the aerodynamic testing or wind tunnel testing was actually relatable to what actually happens on the road. Um, so it'd be nice to see a little bit more, um, I guess, universally available information on real world testing yeah, as well yeah, for products. Yeah, exactly. um, and I think you know, that will help uh, the, the whole industry develop. and. Um, you know, it'll make it easier for consumers to say, all right, I know I can get this 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 brand of wheel and it's going to be all relatively similar. I don't need to spend $6,000 on a pair of Zip and SWs to you know, get the best bike split possible. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like the idea as well. And I'm sure it won't be too far down the track of, of getting your, um, you know, your aerodynamic number, the um, CDA. CDA. Yep. There on your com on on your computer at all times, you know. Yeah. I, I reckon it'll be too far down because then then you've got a really good idea of how much time you are wasting on the bike mm -hmm. when you're actually on the course in a race. You look, look down and go, oh, geez, I'm I'm way out. Get get back into your position. You know? So with my design, though, with my heads up display, it'll be there for you. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have it on your heads up display. So <laughs> it's not there yet. Anyway. Down, then yeah. you, you get the helmet coming out the back and crane drag. Yeah. So I think yeah, that technology you know can it's really not far away. Yeah, it, yeah. it shouldn't be. I think that technology can really help us um, sort of going forward. And I think you know some of the initial uh, sort of developments with the Aeropod or the Nocio Connect or. Mm. Um, Swiss side. Oh, the Swiss yeah. side, uh, you know, they, they will... They're probably already getting all that information. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. We'll see. Exciting times for, for what might be to come. Um, last thing to leave everyone with, where can we find you on social or online to be able to have a look at your stuff? Just um, on, on Insta at the moment, on at the Test Lab. Yep. Um, also on Facebook, the Test Lab. Um, and then we've got reviews coming out, um, mainly obviously sort of generic or um, female-related reviews on witsup.com. Yeah. Witsup.com. Yeah. I'll get all those links and chuck them in the, in the notes for everyone uh, anyway. But thanks for coming on, guys. Really been good to have you in finally to, to have a bit of a chat about <laughs> what's, what's coming up. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back in at some point and we'll have to get you guys on the, on the treaty or the bike soon enough to yeah, do definitely, it yourself. Definitely this guy. Yeah. yeah. I think we've been avoiding it. Um, <laughs> we're trying to get a little bit fitter until we, <laughs> till we jump on, but um, we can't wait to sort of uh, get yeah. back in. You know, as sort of we touched on before, getting some more objective data on yeah. sort of how fit we are at the moment. I think we tend to kid ourselves sort of through the winter. Um, but it'd Find be great toys to make you faster. But yeah, it'd be great yeah, to exactly. come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. no, it'd be it'd be fantastic to come and um, 
I want to just put it through our paces. Test him against your dad. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, how, see how he goes. He'll probably smash him on the bike at the moment. Oh, well. Anyway, yeah. thanks for coming on, guys, yeah, um, thanks, and man. thanks for watching Appreciate another episode it. of the of the podcast. We'll see you in the next one.